when the injuries start hitting, you're starting to put the pressure on, the doubts start building up. And there's not many walks of life where you're going into work every day, but when you've got long-term injury, where you're effectively not being able to do your job. Hello, this is Football Stories. I'm Jim Salverson. This is season two of this podcast. Season one was all about the untold stories from off the pitch. Season two is all about stories from the people who have played the game on it. And today, that is Rodri Jones. Now, this might not be a name that you're instantly familiar with. It might not spark memories of great goals or cup finals, but Rodri's story is slightly different to some of the others on this series. He might not be a household name now, but there was a time when Rodri was considered one of the best young players in the country as part of Manchester United's youth academy under the great Alex Ferguson. However, a combination of injuries and other reasons that we go into on the podcast, at the age of 14, he was released by the club, and at the age of 26, he completely slipped out of football altogether, which is something that went on to have a lasting impact on his life. However, he has learned from those experiences. He's now a mind fitness coach. So to find out exactly what a mind fitness coach is and to learn a little bit more about his time in the game, I sat down with Rodri Jones for today's football story. Rodri, how are you? I'm doing well yourself. Yeah, really good. Thanks. Now, the reason I wanted to talk to you on Football Social Daily is that you talk about a side of football that I think is very rarely touched upon nowadays. You hear about the Phil Fodens of this world all the time, the young prospects who go from being in a youth academy to the very top of their game, which undoubtedly Phil Foden is heading to. But for every Phil Foden that exists, there's a 100 Rodri Joneses. And I wanted to find out a little bit more about the journey of someone who starts as a youth player but maybe doesn't go on the way. So I'm going to go back to the very start of your journey, if that's okay, before we talk about what you're doing nowadays and how you got there. But at 14 years old, you signed schoolboy papers for Manchester United. At that point, how does it feel? How does the future look to you when you sign those papers? Are you not really considering what it's going to be like six, seven years down the line? Is it all about just pulling on that Manchester United shirt the next day? Yeah, you, you know what it's like when you're a child. I mean, even if someone shows you the statistics of um, of how many players make it, you don't really look at that way when you're that age. And and rightly so to some degree as well, because I think as you get older, a lot of people kind of curtail their dreams. I think when you're younger, um, the, the world feels a little bit more boundless, I, I suppose. Um, but yeah... I, I mean, even then, 14, 15, I'd signed for Manu, and this was my dream um, since I was five. But even even then, I was putting so much pressure on myself. My identity had become so wrapped up in football. I felt guilty that I'd been the one um, chosen to play for United when my dad was a massive United fan um, and my brother. So, I mean, they, they didn't give me any reasons to feel that way, but, that, but that's often the case in life. We we paint little pictures of what we perceive to be truth, which isn't real. Obviously, I don't expect you would have had any awareness of what I'm going to ask you now at the time, but given what you've gone on to do and you've gone to do a lot of work in terms of mental health and mind training, all that kind of thing, when you look back to yourself as a 14-year-old, do you identify anything different between you and maybe your peers who didn't get the opportunity to play in the professional game, other than the actual levels of skill and ability because one of the things I'm always slightly surprised about when I speak to professional sportsmen is 
they they just seem wired a slightly different way. They seem to have that level of determination and one single mindedness that other people don't have. It's some sort of obsession. You, you stumble across something that you you happen to have a gift to do, which which I was fortunate with football, and it kind of it feels like it triggers something inside you. It felt like my my body was was designed purely to play football, um, and I think that's what you have in different. It might not just be in football. It might be a musician or something. It's like it's like the performances coming through you and. I think a lot of high achievers and high performers will be able to identify when I say it feels like it chooses you, like you've got no choice in a way that the um, the um, option of not doing it isn't an option, if that makes sense. Whereas if you're doing something, you happen to be good at it, but you're kind of you're kind of forcing yourself to do it or you, you, you start to feel like you should do it. I'd question whether that's coming from a real deep place within you. But yeah, football for me, for you know, when I was growing up, was was that thing. Obviously, for you, it didn't quite happen at Manchester United. You didn't go on and become a club legend, and much of that was down to injuries that you picked up during your time there. Now, I've spoken to a few pros through the years who have had long-term issues with injuries, and they've all talked about the mental strain that that causes on an, an adult who's sitting on a treatment table, recovering from injury, kind of separated from their teammates for a young lad for a 14 year old going through that experience that must be hugely amplified it's difficult you know you know you need all the luck in the world at a club like Man U to be able to reach a top when the injuries start hitting you're starting to put the pressure on the doubts start building up and there's not many walks of life where you're going into work every day but when you've got long-term injury where you're effectively not been able to do your job I don't think it's a big revelation for me to say that the injured players usually feel a little bit on the outskirts and feel a bit worthless a little bit to some degree because you haven't got that outlet. Um, that's the times where I feel like where you can really develop the mental side of, of things. I, I think you you develop mental, um, you develop tolerance, um, kind of psychological tolerance through the times that you're injured, it, it kind of widens your scope to be able to deal with um, different emotions. Um, but then, you know, that voice in the head can get a little bit louder and um, it, it, can, it can be a skill to kind of just um, navigate that, really. Do you remember the moment when you found out that you weren't going to be at Manchester United long term, where your, your future didn't rely at the club? Do you remember that very moment you were told? Yeah, well, it's impossible to forget because it was Sir Alex Ferguson who told me. I mean, you know, this this was a guy, you know, had been at the club since 1986, since I was four years old. Um, it was the only time I'd ever been in his office as well. So so that was a bit of a blur. Um, I, I, know, I know why he felt like he should take responsibility because he kind of welcomed he welcomed, welcomed us to the club when we signed. Um, but maybe the fall was a little bit greater coming from him than it would have been if it was just one of the youth team coaches where you haven't put put them on such a big pedestal as you have some someone of of that magnitude. Um, so I, looking back, you know, I probably suffered an element of trauma, you know, like minor trauma um, at the time. But listen, you, you, I was 19 years old, I think, when Ferguson released me. Um, you're still maturing at that age as well. You, looking back, and I. I was I came from quite a middle class background, probably a little bit naive at times, like where you had some of the other players who were maybe a little bit more streetwise. Um, 
So I was probably a young 19 year old as well, even though I had to leave home when I was 16. I, um, and I was a, you know, I'm a deep thinker. Um, I've, I've got a busy, you know, I, I had a busy mind. Um, I did, I never chose to have that mind. And, and in that kind of, um, that's a, in those void in terms of the, there was not, didn't really receive any support afterwards. And then you start into paint pictures of, I, I'm sure a lot of players will be able to, players have been released and, and even players who've, who've come out of the game. Um, you don't feel really, your friends don't really understand. The only people who really understand are the people who've been through it to some degree. It's very, very difficult to, 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 to put the words to really describe how it feels. I mean, it's not, a lot of people say, Oh, yeah, have something, you know, as backup. You know, I was very academic, but that that sense of identity when you wrapped up so much and, and football, remember, for most most players is a dream. It's not a vocation. It's like a, 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 a dream since you were younger. So t- to get that taken away from you, it's not a case of, oh, well, I'm going to find another job. It, it, that, that psychological... Um, impact can be bigger than maybe people on the outside would realise who've not been in that bubble. I was going to ask about the aftercare and you mentioned it there. From the moment you get that news, so Alex Ferguson sits you down in his office and he says, sorry, lad, it's not going to happen here. Is that a clean break at that point? Is there any aftercare? Is there any support or is it a case of collecting your boots and leaving Carrington? No, I was told in in February, so I still had the rest of the season to go. They, They told me early so I could find a new club. So it gave me a little bit of time. So that was a great thing from the club. But then on the other side, I was still coming in training every day, knowing I didn't have a future at the club. You suddenly feel like a stranger within this training ground that you've been, that's been home for you for three years. So that, that was quite, quite difficult. Um, and as I say, you did have support in terms of the kind of um, superficial stuff in terms of, the club try and help you find a new club and stuff but yeah maybe not on that that mental side of, of things really um yeah so so it was i mean i don't know if i don't know if it's changed you know it's probably changed a little bit nowadays um but then i do hear stories that of uh, that, that it ha- maybe hasn't changed you know hasn't gone far enough really and listen i, I don't think this is a um a reflection of clubs. I think it's a reflection of society in general that we don't really understand the mind. You know, we 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 have like methods of being able to um, to practices and stuff that you can do to kind of um, you know negate the mind in a way and that self talk and stuff. But for me, once you understand what what a lot of that self talk is and, and where it's kind of coming from and and you develop that awareness of what's going on I, I think that's half of it to be honest a lot of a lot of the stuff that in your mind that you've kind of been um those those paint pictures you've been painting that it's like the the paint starts dissolving a little bit it's it's, it's, it's that's what hap- that's what's happened to me and I mean that's why I'm um back working in in this area you stayed in football for a little while after leaving manchester united so you released at 19 you carried on playing till you're 24 and then you finally gave up because of injury but from the stories you've told before you went on to rochdale a couple of other clubs you didn't feel like you were enjoying your football at that point did you feel 
the reason you carried on, was it because you didn't know anything else? Was it because like football felt like it was so much part of your identity? You had to carry on. You had no other choices. A little bit, you know, I'd, I'd had these injuries at Man U. So I felt like, God, oh, you know, this, this is, this feels um, heavy straight away. You know, it, it felt like, oh, I've, this has been thrown at me, you know, when I was 16, 17, obviously got released and managed to sign for Rotherham. And, but I knew that my knee, I, I knew that my knee would probably wasn't going to stand up to football in the long term. But then you've sacrificed so much when you're younger. Um, it's very difficult at that point to be able to say, oh, well, maybe football isn't for me. I, I know I know my parents probably asked that question when I left my new, but I was kind of still in that kind of uh, mindset of just trying to find a club and, and just a bit head down, if I'm being honest. You, you kind of yeah one side you it would have been great to to prove Fergie wrong but I hadn't dealt with the emotions of leaving Man U and 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 that upheaval of going from you know one of the biggest clubs in Europe to to Rotherham who were in the championship at the time great club um great great you know they were really successful um that's why I think sometimes it can be handy handy for anyone in life to have someone who can just just all it is really is throwing a different light on things and and seeing what I mean a lot of the work I do is understanding what's really driving your behavior because a lot of the stuff that's driving our behavior is stuff that's we're not fully aware of and but it can it can drive our behavior for many years and we we repeat patterns of behavior or patterns of thinking um that it can take someone just to maybe like throw a light in a different in a different direction, and then a lot of the a lot of the truth that you like say you've been building for yourself kind of start just going away all by themselves. I mean, a lot of people think that when I work with people, it's about practices and training. There can be an element to that. But a lot of it is the understanding. Once you understand what's driving you, it takes away the sense of like, oh, there's something wrong with me or, or there's something up. It's, it's, it's like you've got this, it's like be, you're, you're super conscious of, of what, not super self-conscious, that's not what I mean, but you're super conscious of what exactly is driving you. So if someone um, has a go at you, for instance, and, and you can, you're more aware of oh, what's that triggering in you or maybe it's, Maybe it's something that you've got a coach who's shouting at you or, or someone at work and it's triggering that maybe someone shouted at you were in school or, or a parent and it triggers that fearing, feeling of fear underneath that angry feel. So a lot of it is like that. And yeah, there's, there's practices which I kind of I kind of describe as like stabilizers on a bike. They can be handy in terms of short term for people. You, you know, you've got to meet people where they are. Um, not where where you are in, in a way in life. I, I mean, I don't do any specific practices as such anymore because I've I took the stabilizers off and I, I'm like freewheeling a bit. I mean, but that but that's what I mean. Like people think like mind fitness is like being perfect in mind. No, it's about embracing. For, for me, it's about embracing all all of emotions and being. The, when people say the best version of yourself, for me, it's like being the fullest version of yourself. And and what I'd say is a lot of people who are functioning just fine or they're really successful, but they're, you know, for instance, you could have someone who's a really successful footballer, but all their um, motivation is a feel of not being enough as a boy. Now, you know, 
I, I don't think you'll ever quite feel that feel of not feeling that. You know, so, so a lot of my work is like, well, freeing the mind is like, well, let's just strip away all those beliefs that you got about yourself. And and a lot of it, you know, a lot of it is a language people use to describe themselves or describe situations. Then you can kind of really look at that, and then then suddenly you people, yeah, people realize that they've they've just been placing limitations on themselves. They, they, I think people sometimes think like by turning inward, you're going to lose your drive. But what I'd say is that drive is inherent in those high achievers. It's, it's something you can't explain, but energetically, if it comes from a feel of um, place of like, I'm doing it for myself and, and it's a place of this is, I'm just expressing myself fully rather than trying to prove someone wrong. I know you can try and prove someone wrong. That can be motivation in the short term, but in the long term, how about, you know, you learn to just be fully comfortable with who you are and, and not tripping yourself up. And then, and then I, I do feel you might have a fuller experience of life, you know, in terms of like um, performance on, on the pitch or in business. And at home, because for me, a lot of when we talk about performance, it feels like it feels it's, it's focused on just your profession. But for me, performance carries on. Performance is a you, you're performing um, at home as well. You know, you have someone who's like performing well at work, and then at home, they're they're getting triggered left, right, and centre, and they, they don't they don't understand why. Undoubtedly, mental health and mental fitness and mindfulness is something that isn't maybe properly appreciated or properly focused on in everyday life but is it something that maybe is still overlooked in professional sport as well although I guess we are moving to a situation where there is more awareness of that sort of things I think about the, the kind of the, the recent news and the recent focus on um, online abuse and obviously there are two things in play there there's the fact that this horrific abuse happens via social media and probably the social media giants, the Twitters and the Facebook of this world need to do more to stop that out. But also, is it about the individuals in some way and their... It's difficult to say resilience because you don't want to put the earnest on the players to kind of be able to take this abuse. But at the same time, I guess it's important that they have got the right mental fitness in order to cope with something that is going to be very difficult to completely block out. Yeah, there's two ways you look, look at it. Like the abuse, it shouldn't really happen in the first place. But then then as, as an individual, for instance, if someone's shouting at me, having a go at me, all I can really take, all I can take full control of is, and full responsibility is how I process it and how I react to it. I mean, the, what I'd say with a lot of um, the abuse is, yeah, obviously the, the social, we're just coming out of this social media blackout and that that's, um, you know, that's impactful of just maybe raising awareness. But for me, that's... <sighs> with these individuals yeah we, we, we can start judging these individuals you know and, and i don't condone racism anyway but what what what's driving that what what's driving that person to be able to 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 send these messages in the first place is i feel like like they feel like a lack in themselves they don't they can't maybe if they love themselves a little bit more they wouldn't feel the the need to spread hate and listen every individual is different but i i'd say it's it's, just, it's, it's from school, really. I, I think the, the earlier you understand what's driving you and those thoughts in your head and um, the earlier you can find that freedom, freedom from mind, I call it, in a way, because we live in a world where we 
a lot of us live in our heads. We we're tied to the voice in the head, and we 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 live live a little bit on auto, like we're on autopilot a little bit. And I and I do feel um, the more awareness you can have of what's driving your own behaviour, then naturally you'll be more considerate to the people around you. But one, you know how it is, right? If you start, if you if you um put someone in the corner and say you shouldn't be doing this you shouldn't be doing that you should be doing this people get defensive when it's like that but if you like take the time to go out let's understand why do you feel compelled to do those kind of things what what is it like then then maybe it's, it's a, in the long run you might get more more um more change if that makes sense you know how it is when people get like um attacked and and and, and put in a corner people get i i don't know how how much you get out of people that way, to be honest. It's really interesting, the idea that people, myself included, put a lot of earnest on our physical fitness and go to the gym and go running or play football or whatever it is they do, but never pay any consideration to their mental health at all. Um, knowing what you know now, so as a, I'm assuming late, late 30s, kind of professional working in, um, in mind fitness, how do you think you would have done or how would you have would your life have panned out differently if 19 year old you had had 2021 you to sit them down the season they left Manchester United the season they kind of faced this crossroads do you think it would have panned out differently do you think it would have moved forward in a different way listen you never know in life you can always go back and paint these little <laughs> rosy pictures of this alternative path you'd had had in life i mean i don't regret anything in life but what would have been handy i think if someone had said to me like you know those thoughts you have that then they're not quite what they appear to be like i thought just the having these thoughts was a sign of weakness in me and then then the more you kind of look at the mind and and you realize you i'm not creating i'm not sat there creating those thoughts in the first place so yeah i mean those thoughts come up and then and then you realize a lot of the thoughts, a lot of the self-talk is, is survival. You know, we're trying to predict the future. We're, we're trying to fit into the tribe and we're trying. So that's why people find a lot of, a lot of the self-talk is negative because if, we, if our self-talk was um, all positive all the time, naturally, then it probably wouldn't um, enhance our survival <laughs> um, prospects as humans. So in a way, when, when your self talks negative like that, it's doing its job. You, your brain's doing its job by keeping you alive. But unfortunately, it doesn't always mean that that means thriving. So for me, that voice in the head, a lot of it, it's more like background chatter in my head now. If, I mean, if we if we had like a room of guys um, just verbalizing exactly the stream of consciousness over an hour, a lot of it's just gibberish. But when but but when we've got like twenty four seven access to it. We can become like um, tied to it, like we're we're like dogs on a leash with that voice. So I think that that's what that's what I'm saying. Like when like meditating and all these kind of stuff, they they can be useful, but it all depends what what you're after. For me, I mean, I used to meditate to begin because I just wanted to understand. And I was like, once I understand, and once I've got this awareness, and once I'm really aware of what's going on under the bonnet, then it gives you this sense of distance between you and your thoughts and, and the stuff that's happening. You understand it. So whereas before, I think it, I, I'd gone, you know, a lot of people go through school, not having those lessons, don't not understanding. And then suddenly, you know, especially in football, you're thrown in such a challenging environment and what that environment, that environment doesn't cause 
mental health issues. It does, but it reveals it reveals aspects of yourself that that um, that are not free. So for me, I, it probably that that football revealed how hard I was on myself and how I used to beat myself up. And and in that environment where you know I've played a game and two three days later I'm still beating myself up. Well. I wouldn't be beat myself up if I now, if knowing what I do now, because I just let it go a little bit. It's fascinating talking to you, Rodri. If people are recognising any of themselves in what you're saying, how can they find out a little bit more about mind fitness and about what you do as well? RodriJones.co.uk. I have an initial chat with people who want to work with me just to see, one, whether they're comfortable with me and if I'm comfortable with them and just to see if they, they feel like they're in the place to really benefit from, from this work. So most people who come to me have to have a realisation that they've been tripping themselves up or something, the same pattern's happening. It's usually the high achievers because they're the ones who are asking those questions. Roderick, fascinating to talk to you. Thanks very much for your time. Yeah, th- thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of Football Stories from the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed Season 2 and you've listened to all the episodes in Season 2, why not go back to Season 1 and listen to some of the untold stories from off the pitch. And if you happen to be a sport content creator, if you've got your own podcast, why not come and join the Sports Social Podcast Network. Find more information or find your next favourite sport podcast by searching Sports Social Podcast Network. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.